E-N. Good afternoon and welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Today we're broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. Well, kind of an interesting wrap-up on what we've seen in this week. We'll talk about some focuses within this corn and soybean market, uh, some things that, of course, our growers are looking at. The rail strike, I think, has been one of the hottest topics as we uh, come off of Husker Harvest Days. Real quick look, as we saw, really a lot of negativity, except for the wheat. Maybe they just kind of turned themselves back around after the lack of weather or the weather talk that was happening earlier in the week. We're going to get all the details today as Jeff Peterson joins us. He is with Heartland Farm Partners. So first of all, welcome back. You were up in North Dakota at the farm show. We were at Husker Harvest Days at the farm show. Before we even start on all the things we want to talk about, what's the farmer attitude up there knowing how this growing season's been? I think the best way to sum it up, Susan, is to say it, it's so variable. It just depends on where you're at. There's some people that are talking that you know wheat crop was really good and others it was really bad. And then you get into, as they start talking about the corn and soybeans and they, uh, some of them are excited about what they're going to find and some of them know that's going to be very disappointing. But what I found interesting, we had a number of people that stopped by the booth up there we talked to had either been down to Husker Harvest Days and then was coming and then came up to Big wow. Iron or they were actually at Big Iron was going to go down to Husker Harvest Days. And actually one of those, to give you an idea how far they traveled, actually came out of Northwest Ohio. So they, they'd made a long trip. Hey, if you're going to hit two big farm shows, do it in the same week. There's a little bit of driving distance. How did crops look? Uh, pretty dry as you headed north? Yeah, it was. As you'd expect, as you get you know past northeast Nebraska, you're extremely dry. You get up into southeast South Dakota, still extremely dry. But then it looked a little bit better as we got further north. You know, you get north of Sioux Falls and then into the southeast corner of North Dakota. You could see there's definitely dry pockets there. But, but yeah, it was, it was variable. Well, what do you look at when you look at corn and bean markets right now? What seems to be the most focus? Yeah, I think the best way to kind of sum it up is let's just look at it as the supply side and the demand side. And there's so many supply items. You know, here in, in the U.S., it's all about the production, which means it's still the discussion about acres yet. There's more to that talk, and we'll get into that. And then there's the yield side, but then you got to go over to Europe and talk about the dryness they've had there and just the, the poor yields that I think they're going to see coming out of, you know, France and, and Germany. And then we just continue to talk about the Green Corridor and whether or not it's going to continue or not coming out of, Ukraine and, and where those bushels are going. And you still have to have a discussion about what's going on with China. Is, is that weather going to impact that crop to what degree? How much of it has been hurt? And, and then you have to move your way on down to South America. And, and as they're finishing up that corn crop down there on the harvest side and getting into that planting, and then you have to go over to Argentina. Susan, and you have to really kind of focus on the dryness that you've got there. And then you kind of flip the coin. And you get into the demand side. And, and honestly, on the demand side, what really kind of got that whole discussion going and, and it was concerning was, you know, what was going to happen on the rail strike. And, and it's averted for now. We'll see what happens down the road. And, but we do have to really watch the numbers close. What are our exports going to be? And, and ultimately, how does that ethanol demand hold in? So those, those are the big factors. There's a lot of things that are going to weigh in on this crop, corn and beans, as we get to harvest and beyond. And obviously, global is going to have such a huge impact on what we've seen i think bigger maybe this year i don't want to jinx us but i think bigger in 22 than what we saw in 21 or even 20 yeah i, I think so because there, there's a few things uh, the situation with europe 
and that uncertainty on what that's going to mean for production comes into play. The fact that you also, as you look over to Ukraine, you have to look at that and say, well, what are they going to get planted for the their winter weed acres? Because last year, keep in mind, all that financing and stuff was already in place before the war starting on February 24th. And they also had their financing in place for the corn and soybeans, so we don't know there. So you've got the production side, and we don't know how many bushels we're going to be able to get out of Ukraine. And and then you move on down into South America, and and right now, you know, there's the discussion about the exports going from from uh, Brazil on over to China and what protocols are it have to be, mainly as we're talking about on the corn side. And it looks like they're trying to get more of those type of inspections and things done, so they may be able to be expect, uh, you know, shipping out some of the corn faster than maybe what we thought to China. Do you have any concerns about production numbers as we look down the road for both corn and beans? No, we do. I mean, starting first on the, on the acre side, it, you know, we saw a little bit bigger than what we thought was going to be adjustment on acres on corn beans. I do think we probably see some more adjustment yet there, and I think where that adjustment comes in isn't on the planted side, but in particular on corn, I think it's on the harvested acres because a few things that we're hearing, as as individuals are out there chopping, I, I think it's going to take more acres of silage to be able to get the tonnage they need. So our, our basically our harvested to planted percentage is going to have to go lower. Keep in mind back in 2012, that percentage was about 89.7%. And, you know, um, the numbers right now are probably a little over 91%. So there's some room in there to move that around. Every 1% you move, that's about 800,000 acres. So that definitely has an impact there. And then as you dig in the yield, it was interesting to get, you know, NAS out there into the fields doing their plots and, and that having that part of their decision. And, and a few things that we noticed. Uh, we noticed that basically uh, lower ear counts. And as, uh, as we have those lower ear counts, a question will be going forward is that will the kernel depth be there to go ahead and bring the yield even to the level we're at? I, I don't think the yield's too far off of where USDA has it. And then over on the bean side, yeah, pod counts are down also. And one of the things that we're watching really close there is that on the pod count side, as you look at that, you'd say, well, based on that 50.5 yield that they have, as you'd look at what that implied pod weight is it's like that's a big number it's actually a record number according to our information and we just don't think we've had the finish to give us that type of record number so we know they could get a slightly higher pod count down the road just different sampling but we just think that soybean yields probably going to come down just a little bit more as we go forward susan definitely it'd be fun to see what happens when those numbers uh start coming off the combines and we see them shared there on social media Oh, that most definitely will be. And so that's a, that's a subtle hint to our, our listeners out there. Make sure you're sharing the numbers as much as you possibly can or direct share them with us. We'd appreciate that. We come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about South America. There could be the perfect storm to what we see happening for our export opportunities here. And, of course, we'll also look at this rail strike. Still a tentative agreement. More is coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Fontenelle Hybrids delivers proven performance year after year. In farmer-managed trials over the last three seasons, Fontenelle's 15 top-yielding corn products had over a 9-bushel advantage over Pioneer's commercially available leading volume corn products. That's a 74% win rate on farms just like yours. Contact your local Fontenelle Hybrids dealer or go to Fontenelle.com to learn more. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stories. RBM. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. And of course, happy Friday to all as we continue talking with Jeff Peterson. He's with Heartland Farm Partners South America. We know that they're going to have a huge, I mean, if they have like the perfect storm 
with the right amount of rain, planting getting done on time, it could cause some problems for us down the road. It really, it really does, Susan. And, and that's, I think, what we really want to focus on is as fun as it is to think about from here, especially after Monday when we got the, you know, supportive report, how high prices is, could go. We also have to realize there's a lot of competition out there for our demand. And, and South America has had some weather problems. We've, you know, because La Nina. Now we're going into the third year of La Nina, which doesn't happen very often. But so far, uh, soybean planting, just getting a good start. You know, they're off to a decent start here. And, and timely. They haven't had to wait for some more rains to come in. And they're also getting off to a good start on the corn planting. I haven't checked the number or didn't see the update this week, but I would say that it's probably somewhere in the 13, 14% planted on that first crop. And, and they're also just finishing up. They're about 98.5% planted on that second crop. And now we're going to have to keep an eye on Argentina. Argentina is actually holding up some of their corn planting because it is just a little too dry. And anytime we think about La Nina for South America, we, we have to think about it. it impacts Southern Brazil and ultimately impacts uh, Argentina. So the bigger concern probably does end up being on the bean side again, as, as opposed to the corn side, even though we know in the first year of La Nina, the problem did come about uh, over on the corn side. But uh, so they're moving along, but but they're very competitive and, and they're moving corn. They're still moving some beans out there. And I mean, that competes right, right directly with us, Susan. All right. Moving grains, this rail strike, even though we have a tentative agreement in place, there's a lot of folks in agriculture that are still very nervous because they still have to vote to have this all take place so we could see a change up i know we were watching that very closely because we know it would have had an impact on basis levels you know whether it had a big impact on the future side i I don't think so but it could have had a big impact on the basis but you're right that's the type of thing we have to keep a close eye on because it is tentative they still do need to vote on it yet and to get everybody lined up uh that's uh, to get it voted and approved um you know what we can't really take our eye off that until it's actually done all right Ethanol demand, is there concerns as we move towards 2023? Yeah, I think you have to, you have to be aware of, of where margins are at and margins are tight right now, but let's put a couple things into kind of perspective right now. You know, when we, we looked at from this last Wednesday's report for out of EIA, out of the Energy Information Administration, they reported on what we had for ethanol production. And then within their reports, you also can look at what the implied demand is. And something that's a little bit head-scratching for us is the fact that the implied gasoline demand uh, for this past week, um, and, and this would be for this past week, but then that would have been the prior three weeks also, so it been a four-week rolling average, was the lowest we've seen in about 24 years for this time of year. And so all of a sudden, it sure seems like there's more vehicles out on the road than that, but you know, I'm, not, I'm not sure what's going on there. But so if, if we have the implied gasoline demand backed off a little bit, we know because of where crude oil's backed off, uh, crude oil prices where they're at right now in the low 80s, you all of a sudden uh, spills over and see a, a lower number on the, on the ethanol uh, prices. And as a result, you know, our profitability is not so good. So yeah, we are a little concerned there. Um, it's too early to go ahead and start adjusting really the amount of corn that's going to get used for ethanol, but we do have to keep a, a close eye on it because it'll have an impact not only on the futures price, but depending on where you're at, it'll also have an impact on the basis levels. Nice to see though. I can say that our, our shining light of this all might be California and their continued desire 
to have E85, even though there's that whole electric car push that's happening. They still want that E85. Yeah, exactly. And that's been a very good market, and you're exactly right. And and as we go further down the road, the other bright spot out there gets to be the renewable diesel side. I know we've talked about that many times, and, and that can be a, another area that uh, can use up a lot of soybean oil and can be sportive for the soybean crop. Dollar's been very interesting, kind of had maybe a, a hold tight grip on, on what we see in exports. What do you think in export demand for our corn and beans? Well, I think as we look on that, uh, one of the things that we are watching very closely to see how competitive we are on basis levels. You know, we think um, when you dig in deep into the numbers on what USDA has done on the, the WASDE report uh, that came out here in September, just came out actually on Monday, uh, one of the things we've seen is they've made some pretty big pullbacks on both the corn and the soybean side. We think we still can achieve those numbers. But it's something that we have to watch close down the road. And for basis? Uh, basis levels. So continue. As you as you get a chance to harvest, whether it be corn and bean side, lock up these quick ship bids. Get those locked up the best you can. And then as we come into harvest, we think the gut slot harvest bids, you know, uh, we think we can see just a little bit of an improvement in those. But then for harvest, you'll need to get those locked up now for basis levels that you have for post-harvest, whether it be December or January, February, March, on after we get past harvest, we, we're no in hurry to lock those up yet. We think we'll see improvement there, Susan. All right, lots of things we looked at today. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? Yeah, give me a call at 402-366-4694. Check us out on the web at heartlandfarmpartners.com or follow me on Twitter at jeffpeterson01. Well, thanks, Jeff, for stopping into the studios today as we broadcast today from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studios. Just a reminder, folks, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss, not suitable to all investors. And that's the Fontenelle Final Bell, being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.